Welcome to episode 12, Let's Ask an Expert, a show where a novice host asks expert guests above average questions. I'm your host, Andrew Smith. Thank you for listening wherever you may be. You want to follow the show on social media? I hope you would. You can find us at Let's Ask an Expert, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And of course, you can subscribe and listen to the show wherever expert podcasts can be found. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and elsewhere. Well, my guests, and that, of course, means plural. First time in show history. We've had two guests on at the same time. Are experts in the ever-popular and nearly 50-year-old tabletop role-playing game Dungeons and Dragons. Maybe you've heard of it, right? You've never played D&D or you've only, like I said, just heard of it in passing. Maybe through pop culture, like Big Bang Theory, for instance. And stay tuned as my experts today will break down everything for you. And when they are not appearing on expert podcasts like this one, they're busy hosting their own podcast called DM Told Me To. You can listen and subscribe and download to that show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. And you can follow their show on social media on Instagram at, at DM Told Me To with an underscore between each word. Please welcome to Let's Ask an Expert, Ryan Nolan and Taylor Swint. Guys, welcome to the show. Hey, it's good to be here. <laughs> and How was hey guys, that? It's, oh, yeah, it's, it's me, Ryan. I'm um, the Dungeon Master, the guy that runs the campaign in our store in our podcast of DM Told Me To. And uh, I'm Tyler, also the co-host of DM Told Me To with Ryan. <laughs> So how how was that intro for you guys? Is that is that good intro for you? Yeah, I thought that was good. <laughs> good. So, okay. Uh, good. I did notice you called me Taylor, but I'm not <laughs> mad I about it. Taylor? Oh no! <laughs> I think it was just a Freudian slip there. It may have been. That's all right. It may have been. I was listening to some uh, some Taylor Swift, perhaps. There it is. <laughs> um, guys, first time. No. <laughs> tell uh, t- there it is again tell our audience uh where you guys are from originally and where you currently reside sure um so i currently live in april park new york um this smaller town also in that being post and kill which not many people have heard of if you're from new york um it's upstate new york area so not in, near the city and i've lived here for the majority of my life before that I was born more towards the Poughkeepsie area and came up here when I was like three or four. So I don't remember too much of that. But right now I currently reside in April Park, New York. And and so and I'm from upstate New York. I lived uh-huh. in uh, Boston Lake, which mm-hmm. is, uh, you know, outside of, of Albany. And yeah, that is, that is a distinction that people think when you're from New York and anywhere within the state, you are a New Yorker. I'm like, well, kind of <laughs> like I'm from upstate. Like, thank you. But. Not exactly what you're thinking of, but I uh, love the state. I uh, haven't gone back in a while, but it's it was it was a ton of fun uh, to live there. Uh, Tyler, not Taylor, Tyler, where are you from originally? And where do you currently reside? Yeah, so I, I've grown up in Averill Park. That is how Ryan and I met. We met um, in grade school up through high school, graduated together. Um, but now I currently live in Albany. That's where I attend university. Um, and yeah, uh, hopefully I would love to travel out of New York again someday. Go what? Great Danes? Yeah, exactly. Yep. Go Great Danes. Go Great Danes. Making the NCAA tournament. <laughs> yeah. Well, next time it's it's a thing, I guess. Maybe this year or next year. Yeah, but, not this uh, year, but hopefully yeah. now. Maybe next year. Maybe 2021. Be better. Be better for all of us, we hope. All right, and in keeping with tradition on this show, I invite all my guests, let's ask an expert to enjoy a drink with me. It can be alcoholic, non-alcoholic, whatever you guys prefer. Gentlemen, Ryan, starting first, what did you end up going with tonight? So I ended up going with the good old uh, filtered water from the fridge. Mm-hmm. And uh, no ice cubes because I have sensitive teeth. So very, very. That's what I have. Tyler, how about you? Um, went for the hard stuff. Got some Fireball with me today. Okay, there mm-hmm. we go. Well, I polished off 
a Coors Light. So, okay, and and I've talked about this before on the show, but we there's there's a prep session, kind of a well, we just talk. I mean, a prep session. You're not in the green room, but we just we just talk. And and during that, usually I have a, a couple drinks, sometimes like three. I think I had one episode, and uh, I had a Coors Light, a 16 ounce Coors Light that's already done. And then today I got in. I'm holding this up like you can see it, but that's obviously not the case. An iron flask. It's a double walled insulated water bottle, 64 ounce water bottle. And I don't plan to drink the whole thing during the show or else there might be an intermission. But uh, it's just got good old fashioned Brita filtered water in it. So we're drinking that as well. So some beer and uh, some water. And I'll take a sip right now. Okay. Well, let's start with this, guys. In as simple of terms as you guys can explain it, especially for those listening who have never played Dungeons and Dragons or dare I say never even heard of Dungeons and Dragons. Blasphemy, I know, right? What is Dungeons and Dragons? Ryan, we can start with you. Sure. So to me, the way that I look at what Dungeons and Dragons is, is... It's a game that's set up that, in my opinion, I think is different than any other game that you could possibly have, right? Um, if you go to the casino, you could play card games, board games, things like that. But this is a game where kind of everyone's trying to work together to try to achieve a common goal. And that's through perhaps somebody is reading off of a planned script that somebody has made of how to play a game and things like that. And... I would look at it as it's a it's a fun way to help escape reality because especially now with everything going on, you know, reality can be tough and hard for a lot of people. And um, I kind of look at and people will say this that they help to use Dungeons and Dragons to be a good way to just even if it's for a few hours a week to sit down with some good friends that you haven't talked to in a long time and be able to do something together, whether if it's online in person and be able to escape the kind of partiality of what's going on and almost kind of delve into a world of make-believe just for a little bit like an experience kind of like an escape of sorts yeah, right yeah for sure uh tyler we can add to that in, in in any way yeah i i think ryan nailed it mostly on the head um but just i would like to add that it is also a narrative you're creating a story with people and you will remember those events and those like harsh moments just as much as you would reality. Um, and for that, I think it goes deeper than other games, you know, monopoly. How, how many monopoly games do you remember exactly everything that happened? Not many, none. but none. No one wants to play that game. I love playing it. Oh, it takes too long. That's the big problem <laughs> with it. Right. Well, but that so is a similarity. D and D takes a while, <laughs> but you enjoy yes. the process, right? Like you enjoy, that that fact of it, you get engrossed in the game, right? Absolutely, it's like for it, sure, it's addicting, honestly. So to take that a step further, right? Like this is not a game necessarily where there's like a board and a six sided die and movable pieces, and you go from one end to the other. This this has sort of like a customizable format. Is that is that correct in saying? For sure. And that's one of those things where I can, what I, what I do is like, I'll explain this kind of quick. I am. Um, so by being somebody that helps run the game for my players, you usually have somebody that kind of runs it, you know, and then the other people can play along with them. I would want to say I act like a God, but in the world, I, I make the world and I help tell the story. And what's great about what Dungeons and Dragons does compared to really any other game I've ever seen. Um, every time that you sit down in that chair to do a session or play along, it could go in a million different directions. So many different stuff could happen. It's not such as like a game where it's like, okay, I roll a, I roll a die, I move six spaces, I try to make it to the finish line, that's the end of the game. Some games, Dungeons and Dragons, can go on for months to years at a time, just people meeting once a week to get together to do something and be able to escape for just a little bit. So every time you do it, it is a different kind of experience than you would. Like I have done times where I've played the same story with three different groups of people just to see how that their adventures would skew and change. And it has. And it's just amazing to sit back and think of all the different stuff that you could do and how many different avenues things could go. Basically, if you if you come down to sit to play something, anticipate it might not go exactly as as you might have planned it to go. 
but that i mean that sounds like and, and you guys can correct me if i'm wrong but that sounds like what it how it's maintained itself for what like i guess almost 50 years is, is what i read up like this started what in the late 70s or something mm-hmm. absolutely absolutely it uh it definitely it started out um pretty pretty controlled uh the player manual in the beginning was quite rigid and you kind of did have that board game feel but as it as it has evolved to the fifth book now it has definitely become much more open-ended and customizable very cool very cool now i i I mentioned briefly about those those dice right now some Mm -hmm. people again who who kind of who have heard of D D, maybe they've they've i don't know they read about it here and there and they they may know this game has some very unusual looking dice, right? Like, it's, again, it's not just the six-sided, although I think that is one of them, right? Mm-hmm. But you have uh, a D20. You have my favorite, the 100, um, which is like, what, the size of a golf ball, essentially? And you have some other, like, a, you have one that's like a, a triangle. How do you uh, how do you uh, use these things? How Like, what purposes do they serve? How do these things kind of function within the game? Tyler, we can start with you. On that one i wasn't ready for me to start um, <laughs> but uh so you you i'll start with the um four-sided die that you mentioned it's interesting because it, it is pyramid shaped so you don't necessarily roll it you more or less throw it and whatever the tip of the pyramid is on uh that's typically what you go with but um the roll of the dice as in r-o-l-e is um to to get that chance effect. You know, you you start off by describing what you want to do and then the dice determine how well or not so well uh, the effects are of your choice. Okay, so like, is it is it kind of like based on a range then, like of numbers or is it, a, yeah. when I guess in that specific one, maybe because it only has a few sides, it would be a specific number sometimes? Right? Yeah, typically one is failure, 20 is success, and then the difficulty of the action is that range in the middle. Awesome. Wow. Okay. That's <laughs> so I, I now I, I mentioned uh, to these guys, this is for the audience, of course, but I mentioned to these guys um, before we, we started really recording is that I, I used to play this or I did play it a handful of times way, way back, maybe the late nineties, early two thousands. And I do remember some of these things, but it's all kind of, then I forgot it, of course, for a while. Now it's kind of all coming back to me, like just the ever so uh, slight kind of shades of gray that you can customize this game to to that to that very point. Does anyone ever? And and Ryan, you can you can jump in on this first. Mm-hmm. Does anyone ever like get turned off by like the sheer amount of options and uh, just blank canvas, if you will, of this game that? Like, I, it almost sounds like to me, like if you're comparing this to a restaurant, it's the Cheesecake Factory. Like the menu is 45 <laughs> pages long or something. You just go, I don't know what the hell I need, you know? Yeah. Um, to go off with that, I have had, um, I've actually taught on Dungeons and Dragons. I've been reached out to by my college, um, by some local high schools in the area to actually teach like some D&D sessions to their gaming clubs that they have at their high schools. And so I've done that a few times, whether if it was going and helping to show them like how to run a session and things. And, it, and it's definitely interesting to see how new people, I, I help get a lot of new people involved with it. And um, mainly the one of the biggest things that I think kind of confuses people is once you first see that sheet of like, okay, I have to know and remember all this stuff. And that could be a turnoff to some people, but I, I think it definitely depends on too how that play group is and being understanding of, okay, this person's new guys, let's, you know, let's be nice to them and things. And to go off too with the dice, um, the D, the 20 sided one is usually the biggest one that's primarily used almost nearly every session, right? Whether if it's uh, somebody that wants to see how well that they were able to see far away or how well they were able to investigate into something and look around in their pockets successfully for maybe a loose change or something. Um, and that, and that's where the ranges come in that we were kind of talking about, right? So um, if it's perhaps in like, if you use Dungeons and Dragons, for example, like we were talking about, if you're doing a attack with a weapon, 
a dagger, a small knife, would be usually a four-sided die, where if somebody swings like a two-handed greatsword at you, that could be a d12 because it's obviously a larger sword and could hit more. So that's where that range kind of comes in to be wow. more beneficial. Yeah, because you could get grazed by the weapon, right? Like you could oh, just, yeah. you get cut, but not fatally cut or, you know, mm-hmm. stabbed or something like that. That's, that's really, I mean, that's, that's really kind of an incredible part of it, whereas... So many games we know of just have hard and fast rules. And this game essentially just said, well, not exactly. You know, and I like that. I like that aspect of it because this just, I mean, it's, it sounds like a trip. You know what I mean? Like, I know I've played it, but it's just been so long that I might as well not have. Mm-hmm. And it just, it sounds like you're just, you're, you're just <laughs> sitting in for, it's like buckle up and, and get comfortable for a while kind of thing, which is not a bad thing. In Monopoly, it's like, hurry up, go broke already. With this, mm-hmm. it's just like, what's next? What's next? And then the last time I had that experience was Breaking Bad. And it was like the greatest show ever for me. But it was a great, whether you think it is or not, it was a great experience for me. And that's kind of what this sounds like, too. Everyone loves a good story, right? And that's how this just like unfolds layer by layer, chapter by chapter, step by step. So it, I mean, it sounds, sounds like a lot of fun to me, you know, like I, I said that thing about the menu, but the way you're explaining it, it sounds awesome. And, and yeah, and to just quickly go off of that there too. And you, you could have players in your play group where if you're new or if you're not somebody that's very talkative and you just like to sit back and experience the story, that's perfectly fine too to do Dungeons and Dragons. Like if you're somebody where it's like, you know, I kind of like to watch stories and don't want to be totally have the story be about me. Cause ultimately Dungeons and Dragons is about you guys telling the story that the DM or dungeon master has written and your characters are going through it and exploring it and experiencing it and being able to explore and do different things. Whereas if you're somebody who likes to sit back, you can certainly be able to do that while other people that you're sitting with go in and investigate these things. And you're just kind of sitting back listening and your characters following along. That's totally fine to do as well. You know, so if you're somebody that likes to watch shows and isn't totally engaged or in depth into doing it, but enjoy being there, that's something where Dungeons and Dragons is great to do that as well. Awesome. Awesome. Now, a big part of Dungeons and Dragons is right, is that you get to kind of customize, build your character, right? You get to, how does that process work exactly? I can take this one if you want. Um, I am. Ryan's kind of the eternal dungeon master and I'm the eternal player. So uh, as far as building a character goes for this world uh, that is crafted around you, um, you you primarily have your ability scores um, and that's where a lot of your traits, your skills, um, your, your different abilities comes into play. Um, so those are also a range of numbers. Um, they go... They can go negative, they can be positive, but at the end of the day, um, what you put into it is kind of up to you because you can you can put in random numbers or you can specifically craft your character to be perhaps a character, like you said, Breaking Bad. If you wanted to play Walter White in Dungeons & Dragons, you could go right ahead and do it. There's nothing stopping you. Um, and that's where homebrew comes in uh, also. A lot of people love to homebrew their own custom stuff, which we have a whole episode about. If <laughs> so if you wanted to say like, well, I want my character, like, I mean, your, your uh, abilities uh, can be what they are, but if you wanted to like have the aesthetic of a six foot seven, like 285 pound 1980s action movie hero, who's juiced to the gills, you, you could have that, right? Like that could be a yeah. totally a thing where it's like you want like a Rambo or, well, he wasn't that tall, but, you know, like a He-Man kind of thing. Or Conan like Barbarian. Want, yeah. Yeah. Like something like that. You can you can kind of take that. It's similar to as we were talking about Monopoly, like Monopoly has all those different versions, but at its core, it's still the game of Monopoly. You can kind of exactly. dress it like that. Is that yeah. sort of how it works? Yeah. You can have different skins on the same core rules. Now, uh, now, Ryan, you're you're the dungeon master, right? That's primarily your role. Yes, it is. Okay, uh, you are a power hungry god, as we've already established. <laughs> you need to be stopped at all costs. Um, now, <laughs> so on the other side of this, that there is, as we've kind of alluded to a little bit, the dungeon master, right? And this is 
primarily the role you take on. So if you tell our audience kind of um, what you do during the game, it sounds like you facilitate things, right? You kind of help run the show. Yeah. So what I kind of do, at least for sessions, and I'm just laughing because I think about my notes that I write and then actually how things actually end up going. Uh, it's it's uh, like a few and far between, right? So I could write a few notes on how I like want to have some stuff appear in the world or certain things to happen. And my players could then decide to do something completely different. And it's up to me to adapt and change the world around them. Because ultimately, the story is being told with them as the main characters. Um, so, for example, um, in our episodes in the past we've uploaded, there's a scene where our group runs into pirates out on the waters. And I had it set up in my notes for them to see, okay, these pirates are a lot stronger than us. So if the pirates suggested demand, that was pr- I made pretty reasonable for them to do. I was anticipating them to just go and give the pirates what they asked for, and then the pirates would be on their way, and I could have them come back as a future later character, for example, these evil pirates. Alas, uh, my group decided, you know what, I think we can take them. And they went and engaged with these pirates in kind of like sea fair attacking and things. And uh, so I had to adapt. I was like, okay, time to, in my head off, like don't want to tell them, but like, you know, on my end, okay, now I have to think of a bunch of things that these pirates would have or do now in combat as these players are refusing to give in to their demands. So it's mainly about being adaptive and coming in with, I want to say, like a very kind of Sparks Notes plan for how you want it to go. And then as the session goes, I just am developing and unraveling more of that story as we're going on, right? So I typically don't do too much specific details unless it's something super important that I want my players to understand. And instead, just do almost bullet points or little little parts of my notes of like, okay, this character is going to tell them this and do these things. But they might ask him questions back that I didn't anticipate, so I have to think on the fly. You know, I basically run the entire world and the characters play as themselves interacting with the world that I've created. Wow. So now a couple things with that. One that I picked up on is it's almost kind of how I somewhat script my my podcast here. It's like I have an outline. I have some questions for you guys, but I don't know exactly what you're going to say. So there is that sort of randomness about it or customization about it that like I have to react in real time to what you're saying and everything, but I have a plan as terms of how the show is going to go. But another thing I picked up on was you said us, right? So correct me if I'm wrong, but you're not trying to make the, uh, the players in this game lose, right? Like that's, you're Mm -hmm. not trying to like foil them or anything, right? Is this, you said we're trying to accomplish a common goal. Is that right? Yeah. So to go along with that, right. I, as, the DM making the world and it, some, some, some play groups, you know, they could be totally against the DM, right? Like, like it's almost like I don't, when I play my games, I don't like to make it seem like it's the play group versus me. And like, it's like a power struggle kind of thing. Some, some groups do that and some groups enjoy that. I try to make it be an enjoyable experience for them to explore and investigate into things while I'm providing them details. And yes, I would play as the bad guys, such as the pirates in the example I gave earlier, but that doesn't necessarily mean that I always have to win and beat them as the pirates. You know, I always have to throw something big at them to hopefully like stop them in their plans. And ultimately Dungeons and Dragons, while it is like a fantasy game, your characters could die and things like that. And then you have to, you know, make new ones and perhaps have a different story. And if you watch movies, right, the good guys don't always like to lose. You know, they, you know, have that little arc where they maybe dip down a little bit and they're losing and then climb up the big mountain of a story and hopefully reach the top of a happy ending someday. So it's like a cooperative kind of game in my eyes where, like, I try to help them, but it ultimately comes down to the dice rolls. If my players are just by chance rolling towards one, twos, and threes, which is like the low end of the 20 spectrum, with one being the absolute worst. I, I have no say in that matter. It's, okay, your character, because they rolled a one, they didn't hear the princess cry for help, so you guys are busy in the boardroom still with the evil king while the princess is being kidnapped by the by the king's e- evil brother or something, because your characters didn't hear that happen. Wow. Okay. Very cool. Now, Tyler, how is Brian as a dungeon master? Would you <laughs> describe him, his abilities? How has he grown well, within that skill? Yes. <laughs> Full disclaimer, I have not had many, but I have had a few Dungeon Masters. Um, mostly mostly Ryan, though. But 
I love it. Um, he's he's amazing, and the the stories he writes are really engaging, somewhat funny, depending on the type of story he's trying to write. But yeah, um, I, I you know I'm still here. We're making a podcast. <laughs> still here. But, love it. Yeah. Um, was there anything you needed to know from a player's perspective on that question? Yeah, like uh, too. I mean, that's that's good. You reminded me because, like, what I mean, what. I guess as a, as a player makes um, for a more enjoyable uh, experience, both things that Ryan has done or things that I don't know, you, you've either uh, seen or, or heard other players experience. Like what, what really, I mean, there's, there's two ends of that, right? Like, so you're, you're, you're kind of uh, reacting and he's laying it out. Right. So what, what are, what are some of the things within that? I mean, we talked about like, you know, the things he does, but what, what things like kind of that you like and don't like about not specifically maybe what he does, but just in general. I've done right. Um, I've, I have found that the best DM um, for me, cause you know, I'm, I am only me as a player. So for me, the, the best type of DMing is when the, the, the world is challenging, but not dooming. And what I mean by that is, my character isn't getting beat up every single time we have an interaction. You know, there are moments for role play, which is where you're, you're just talking, you're just describing what your character is doing. Um, and you're, you know, players give just as much to a situation as a DM gives to a player. It's so interactive and cooperative, like Ryan said. Um, and the best DMs are the cooperative front cool cooperative ones and ryan is that very nice very big props for ryan there now ryan when you're creating this stuff how do you uh what's your kind of like creative process you touched on a little bit but like do you like get a legal pad and scribble this out do you open up microsoft word and and just kind of type away a, a stream of consciousness or what would you do you grab something from like a show you've seen maybe or, or anything like that or what's it what's it like what's your creative process like for these quests yeah so um ultimately it does depend on what's going on so if it's like a one shot like where a one shot is a um dungeon and dragon session that takes place where everyone sits down one time there's a beginning middle and end to a story that's it and then there's a campaign um, a campaign can take place where everyone sits down once a week, plays for like five or six hours, and then everyone goes home and comes back for the next week where the story continues. It's almost kind of like picture all the Hobbit, Lord of the Ring kind of movies, like how they're so long. But those that's a pretty prime good example of Dungeons and Dragons to an extent where it's it's everyone comes and meets a few hours, does some stuff, and then goes out and comes back. And that's why the you know the movies are longer. But to get back to the ideas of where I get my things from, um, I do base some of my ideas off of things such as like. The main campaign we're doing currently um, involves these players going to certain towers to, um, well, things are going on in the world itself that hasn't come available to the players yet, except for one thing that they're going through right now with the first tower. But while things are going on in the world, I, I like to run my worlds where it's kind of like the world is always moving, whether if the players do stuff or not, right? And that's kind of seen in Lord of the Rings and other media as well, where it's, okay, while the players are spending all this time to do this role-play interaction, which is great... The bad guy might be off somewhere, like I mentioned before, now tying up the princess, holding her captive, things like that. And now they have to spend more time to rescue her. But ultimately, I would say I get a lot of my creativity from just growing up with playing different sorts of fantasy games, rather if it's, for example, um, our Dungeons and Dragons main story that we do now, while it's just Dungeons and Dragons, it is also mixed with the world of Pokemon. And I thought that was really interesting because playing some of the Pokemon games growing up, I was kind of like, oh, these little creatures are cool, but I can only use them for fighting and that's it. Where in the world of D&D, you can make these creatures help you start fires, be able to help you climb trees, be able to do a bunch of different stuff. And you're experiencing that as if you were in the games, but you have these freedom now to do whatever you want in this world. And that's where I like to watch shows that kind of help me think of creative juices and ideas, such as The Towers coming from a show called The Adventures of Sinbad. That's on Netflix, which helped inspire me a little bit, but I put my own twist on. Um, for main campaigns, if it's like a one shot, I'll kind of inspire it. Um, as for people that are out there too thinking of things um, based on certain movies. So kind of like The Grinch That Stole Christmas, well, our one shot was on The Deli Bird That Stole Christmas. And Deli Bird's like a little penguin Santa-like Pokemon that stole presents. Wow, that's just like The Grinch, you know? 
So I definitely recommend for people, at least if they're newer, you know, to perhaps take ideas from other sources that you found interesting to hopefully put your own little spin on to help make players' ideas and more experienced. And I do use uh, Google Docs as well. Um, in high school, I used a notepad and I carry that around with me everywhere. But I just figured Docs is so much easier because I can do it on my phone, my computer, et cetera. When I get a good idea, if I'm, in the, if I'm out somewhere, I can quickly jot it down and I'll have it. So cool. Wow. I mean, that do you, I mean, do you, uh, interact with other I'm, I'm sure you know and have like friends and stuff that are other uh dungeon masters like do you have like kind of a i don't know i was gonna say like a focus group but that's not really yet but like just some some sort of like message thread or something like a text thread or something yeah like hey i've tried this in my game maybe you want to try this in yours or here's an idea i've had could work in your adventure something like that I'm in um, a few Facebook forum groups um, that post different things involving like different mon monsters and creatures that you can use in your games. And then I'm also part of um, a few uh, Reddits and then a few Discord groups that are based around D&D &D to help me get some different ideas. And then that way I can give feedback to people too and say, hey, how does this sound to people? Do you think that'd be something enticing for players to go through? Because ultimately, yes, I'm, I mean, I've been doing this for quite a good number of years, but um, being able to know, hey, how does this sound to people to help, you know, reassure before I throw it at the players and then have them be like, well, this was not very fun or just totally lost. And that's where sometimes, too, if I have something planned and I talked about this before, where if I have something planned and I have to make changes, I might be typing on my end just like while they're playing to cement ideas and be like, OK, make little stars to go back and change stuff later now that they've altered that in the world. Right. Where if it's like. Okay, we did hear that princess scream, and we were able to stop the brother from stealing that the evil brother from stealing that princess away. Now it's kind of like so all my stuff that I could have written about him taking her, I now have to change and adapt later on, and I can feed that to other forums or Reddit's or Facebook groups to help with that sort of thing. Wow. Okay. Yeah. This is like sort of a, <laughs> a little bit like a trickle down effect of like one thing affecting another. It's like a butterfly effect sort of thing on stuff. Now this question is. Uh, for both of you and, and Tyler, we'll start with you. Is you guys have mentioned that that these games um, have taken that they can last several hours, right? And you could t pick them back up a few days later, sometimes a week. Um, has there ever been a quest uh, or an adventure? What, I keep saying quest. Or is there a, a name or a proper name that they're called? Like these, and there's a one shot, but like these overarching adventures. Are they called something? Um, yeah, no, quest, quest is fine. Yeah, that's yeah. acceptable. Okay. Campaign could be like a big adventure, like the big story. And then in that you have like the little quests, like or side quests people could go on, like that are all part of the big campaign. Okay. If that makes sense there. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that, that does, that helps. Okay. So has there ever been, um, a quest or campaign, uh, that's left, that's left you guys like mentally exhausted from, just being engrossed in the game and all that kind of stuff. And uh, I don't know why I sound like the, the dark emperor or the Sith or anything, but has that ever happened to you guys? And again, Tyler, we'll start with you as it's kind of the player in this. Uh, when you, when you've played, like you just go, Oh, need a cigarette or something, you know, afterwards. Yeah, absolutely. There, <laughs> it depends. It depends on the party of players. I will say, because there have been some times where, uh, just some unfathomable things have happened with my players when I'm sitting here jaw wide open. Like, did you really just say that? Like, that's what you're going to do. So yeah, there, there are definitely moments like that. Um, but as far as the, the campaigns and quests that Ryan creates for us, um, I have had no, no qualms with that. Um, his, his writing is always on point and, uh, make sense in the world. Um, it's usually some chaotic players that get us into trouble. Um, so that can leave me kind of shaking my head at the end. <laughs> because I guess ultimately too, right? Like if I'm the DM who's writing this world and I threw something at my players that I did not think would be a huge struggle, but with it being Dungeons and Dragons and you roll a die to attack and to do certain things, you do almost everything actually. Um, when you roll a die to do something and if you keep rolling bad on it, the bad guy may just be now all of a sudden on top of you guys and me as dungeon as a dungeon master, I picked up a few tricks of the trade over the years of how to handle situations like that. So... Um, like there was one situation where I remember there was a small encounter that I had planned at this toll booth. And I remember it was all about that. And it ended up running like toll booth. 
10 to 12 hours of them trying to do this scene because one player did something during this time and I had to react accordingly to how I feel people would in this world as the player did it. And then afterwards, everyone was like, well, that wasn't very fun. And I was like, oh, I'm, I'm sorry, but you know, I, if you're going to do or say something that, you know, would cause people to react, I'm not going to not have them react, you know? Um, so it's mainly, I'd say about, um, there has been times where, you know, there's people that just, maybe find D&D is not the best for them or like to cause chaos and things, which, you know, enough chaos is certainly fine, but there could be certain levels where, all right, that just caused a lot of stuff to change. So uh, sometimes campaigns or stories or quests have to end because maybe the players do something different that just totally altered how that, w- that could have gone. And now they can't do it anymore. But like, if I can interject real quick. Yeah, go ahead. Like, imagine if Frodo kept the ring. That's kind of how it can go sometimes. If they don't destroy the ring and they end up keeping it, then all the heroes are just lost and or dead. (laughs) And uh, something that I do that I do recommend for um, Dungeon Masters to do, especially if you're new to this kind of thing, is also to understand... Perhaps there's certain subjects that your characters aren't the most comfortable with having being brought up or happening. Not to say that, um, you know, certain things, but let's say perhaps a player is trying to get over an addiction to cigarettes or something. And you mentioned how the barkeep is constantly blowing smoke in this like woman's face that he's trying to seduce and she's having no part of it. Um, But that could be a certain thing that could perhaps trigger the player to then not want to play anymore. And that's where just asking ahead of time, hey, like, and maybe just DMing your group, like directly messaging, you know, having them saying to them, hey, is there anything that might be a little sensitive for you that perhaps you wouldn't want to have said? And that's totally fine. And, um, you know, I've had certain situations where players have messaged me saying, hey, I didn't like how that went. So I've had to change stuff. But ultimately, like, if something crazy does happen in the moment, like, just make sure that everyone's kind of okay with it. And then it's, it's definitely a learning growing process because I've done, God, almost double digits now for different campaigns I've set up and maybe they've trickled off and players couldn't come to any more meetings or whatever. But I've done different stories where like all different adventures, all different things and certain play groups have been really intense stuff, such as, you know, um, witnessing certain actions done by certain people in the world that made them angry and wanted to have them pursue them. Where if I did that thing with the same play group, I know that they would not want to have any part of that and just say to me, no, I don't want to do any of that, which, you know, is totally fair. Sure. Absolutely. Now, when you have to kind of like, I mean, you, you play for several hours at a time, you got to take a break at some point, right? And pick it back up the next day or next week or whatever. Um, and, and Tyler, we can start again with you on, on this one. Do you ever find it difficult to uh, just to pick it back up again after, you know, again, being kind of engrossed in the game for a while at a time and then having all that that time away is is the first hour or so a little let's say rough but just not as not the same as like once you get a lather going yeah absolutely um even even a week at a time like say we miss a week just because of holidays or whatever um coming back from that break always feels a little weird there's like almost like a like a cloud over us and we haven't quite gotten the sunshine yet. Um, but yeah, fatigue definitely happens even even towards the end of an episode when we've been going on for, you know, hours now. It's just like, come on, it's it's late. I want to go to bed. So it happens. Um, you must but, roll to go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> roll to go to bed, exactly. So it, it definitely happens. And that's where I just think... Um, communication between players and uh dungeon master is is just important you know if the players aren't aren't having it then just call it a little early or whatever you know Mm -hmm. um now of course we're still very much in a in a pandemic unfortunately and you know this, this seems like the kind of thing uh, that you could play over over uh, Zoom or FaceTime or Skype or or something like that. Uh, Ryan, is this is this a game that that you know doesn't lose too much over uh, over distance? Is that something you could still play and still pretty much enjoy it the the way you would if you were in person? 
Oh, yeah, for sure. So while there is the element of talking over voice and things, there is, like, if you were sitting at home at the play table, like a table, and you have your grid map there, and the player or the DM could draw out what the scenery looks like around you and be able to experience that, there's some forms of just online stuff that you don't even have to download. You can just play on your web browser, and everybody can hop in, and it's just like playing Dungeons & Dragons at home. So, like, one of the ones that we use for our podcast is called World 20, and it's free for everyone to use, and you can incorporate really any pictures you want any sceneries you want and of course they like their plus and promo versions where you can pay more to get more features but everything you need at home you can then be able to play online with people whether it's nearby across the world things like that you know as long as everybody can pick a time to come together which could be hard for some people to have a time with things going on but especially now people being at home it's a i think a great way to help the time go by while you're at home and looking for some social engagement awesome now, so to kind of wrap up the main, you know, portion of the show and, and Tyler, we can, we can start with you on this one, um, to get like beginners, uh, which has kind of like been our focus of the show, uh, to get them involved in this game. Let's say that they, they want to play D and D, but they don't know anyone else that wants to play D and D with them. Uh, just one, one guy, one gal. Uh, whoever they may be, uh, how would they go about getting started? That can be probably a little more difficult. And I, I don't know if like the local comic book store is still even maybe doing that sort of thing if they do it at all, but, uh, cause of the pandemic, of course, but so how would like one person kind of get going with that today now in late, late 2020, early 2021? Yeah. Um, if, First off, uh, online forums are the best way to reach out to people. If you're if you're flying solo, you know you don't have any friends or any family that are already interested. Um, definitely taking you know to Facebook, to Reddit, things of that that nature can definitely be a good way to find those resources. But if you if you do have like a friend, even just a friend. Uh, you can set up a D&D game just with, you know, one running it and then one player. It's totally possible. Um, so that that is a good thing. And then you mentioned uh, comic book stores. Um, I'm not sure exactly how they're running with the pandemic, but I do know that um, at least the comic book stores in my area of Albany still run um, D&D games in the back, other card game, you know, lots of card games in the back. They're still very active in keeping that that kind of origin of D and D alive. Um, so it it can be hard to find it, but once you do, it'll feel like home. Hopefully, you know. Well, and and that something I didn't know is that like I guess you think of when you think of Dungeons and Dragons if you've played it at all. Or, or you've just kind of heard of it or you've seen it somewhere on like a TV show or something, you think of it as a dungeon master and like at least, I don't know, throw out an arbitrary number of like four or five other people. But it's mm-hmm. cool that you can just, two people can do it, right? Because that's going to definitely increase the chances of new players getting in the game or anyone that just kind of wants to pick it up casually can, you know, just like, oh, okay, I know one other person that would probably want to do this. We can get started. That's great, you know? Yeah, you. Yeah, I've heard stories of uh, siblings, um, even someone running a game for their cat. You know, dress up your cat and just tell a story to your cat. Like that, that can be just as fun and engaging as with the person, because you know, that's your that's your friend too. <laughs> and, and to point out too, um, there for new people too that are kind of like, um, what are maybe some adventures I could use to get me started, things like that. Um, there, I use this thing called DMs Guild. It's a pretty popular thing that people use online where where people can write up their own stories and publish them for people to see and some of those modes are like some of those that are there are even for like one person to play so if there is by chance ways that you can't find anybody or ways to have somebody else play with you and you want to do a one shot or an adventure just on your own they do make campaigns and ways for you to just play using like adventures that people have made which i think is something incredible and i I was just looking quick the um dungeon dragons reddit just because I on it, look at it quick. They have 2.3 million people in the Reddit. Wow. So I can guarantee if you probably ask something or say, hey, what's a good way for me to reach out to some people? I guarantee there'll probably be people that message you saying, hey, my play group has openings at this time. When are you available? Things like that. And 
it'd be a great way to join into a group or even a future community with some friends. Oh, there you go. That's awesome. Yeah. So, I, I mean, and we, we talked about the dice. We talked about uh, kind of some other things, some some physical supplies. Do you do you need some bare minimum things, uh, Ryan? You can take this one to uh, to kind of get started uh, right off yeah. the bat. So I would say um, you can actually, if you just on Google and you type in like um, D&D dice, I think it is on Google, like you can look up the prices of physical Dungeons and Dragons dice, but there's a lot of like free apps you could use to be able to have those dice if you don't want to spend money. I know people that use tons of different stuff. And even if you like say to Google, type in like roll a D20 and it'll show you all different dice you can roll for Dungeons and Dragons when you put that in. Mm. Um, so necessarily buying dice is easy thing you can just have on your phone online or on the computer and on um there used to be a way to just see a player's handbook online for free i've i haven't been able to find that as of late so they may have moved that or taken that down but um if if you're starting it's kind of good to at least watch some people on youtube like i kind of recommend matt coville as somebody to watch um to get help you and how to run dungeons and dragons he has an amazing series on um how to get started in D&D, especially if you're a dungeon master and want to be able to play for people at home. Um, I recommend checking out some of his videos because he goes in depth on the basics, how to do things. And then that way you wouldn't need to necessarily buy a book or a player's handbook on how to get started because you can just have all that there. And um, D&D Beyond has the name, uh, D&D Beyond has all the races, classes, things like that you can use. And it helps you make a character sheet. And as you do all that, so technically you could do this for free. Like you don't have to pay tons of money to be able to get involved with this. Now certain people do because they enjoy it so much, but you can certainly get started free doing this. Awesome. Well, yeah, I didn't even think about it. You could use like a random <laughs> number generator or something, right? For your, mm-hmm. for your, for your die or whatever. Now um, to kind of wrap it up, uh, uh, Tyler, we, uh, we would start with you on this one. What would be like your main, just kind of leaving us with a, a piece of advice for, beginning players or anyone that's sort of on the fence about thinking of diving into the world of, of Dungeons and Dragons, what would you just kind of say as your like your one thing to, to keep in mind or to think about before getting into the game? Yeah. Um, the one thing, if I, if it had to be just one would be try it just once for an hour and you'll, within that hour you will get a feel for if you like it or not and i haven't met someone who after trying it didn't really like it so this says a lot so just give it a shot keep yeah. it mind opportunity take it it's a game you know what do you got to lose exactly uh, ryan what about you yeah um to kind of go off that two round that same subject there there's been like if you're afraid of things where it's like um oh i'm not well versed in the world of fantasy i wouldn't know half the stuff that's brought up there's been people like you know people always say kind of like oh dnd's for nerds things like that no like there's been people throughout history like stephen colbert robin williams vin diesel george R. R. martin just you know people that have like played Dungeons and Dragons for people like through their lives and have enjoyed it. So it's not just something that like, you know, nerds just play or, Oh, I'm not about that. Literally Dungeons and Dragons can be something for anybody doing anything to play and enjoy in my mind. And I do agree with Tyler where it's about just, you don't know if you don't try it. Right. So it's kind of like if I don't, if I just immediately push it away without trying it or seeing what it's like, then I'll never know if I like it or not. And then I'll just always think, oh, if I liked it or not. But if you can find a play group or even just yourself wanting to try it, there is ways to just have yourself just try it and see if you enjoy it. Very cool. Um, appreciate you guys uh, coming on and, and talking uh, in depth and, and bringing me up to speed on kind of the nuts and bolts of everything. It's a very informative. Uh, I think you helped out. Uh, a lot of new players and people that are just kind of, maybe they've heard of it, you know, before tonight. So on this episode, so I appreciate that. And we will now get into the bonus round time for the bonus round on let's ask an expert five questions. Sometimes not always relating to my guest area of expertise. Gentlemen, are you ready for the bonus round? Yeah, man. Yes, I think so. (laughs) All right. First question. uh, We'll start with Ryan. Uh, this is true or false, and we'll give you guys both a chance to answer this one. True or false? So I've met, as I kind of mentioned the the Big Bang Theory uh, before. The Big Bang Theory, true or false, was a funny, well written show 
that positively impacted nerd culture? What say you, sir? Hmm. I have seen a few episodes. So positively impacted. I'd say true. Should we have to, should we go into like in depth of why or just a simple yeah, a brief truth? explanation as to why? Yeah. yeah. So um, I would say too, cause it can show that a lot of different people can be nerds to that extent, right? Whether if you have like people comparing between Leonard and, and um, Sheldon, where it's kind of, there may be different levels of, I guess, nerd or nerdy people, but they have had their impacts on nerd culture of all different things. So I'd say definitely it, it's helped show that there's more out there than just the quiet nerdy guy. There can be more than just that by, being a different person, everybody could be a nerd to that extent, you know? Tyler, what about you? I will say yes, and the simple reason of we're talking about it. That's okay. There you go. <laughs> you know, I, I bring it up because they, they've had at least a couple episodes of where yeah, the Dungeons and Dragons, and one was like a Christmas theme, I think, where they had to ring bells in a certain order to uh, like prevent a door from opening and things like that, and, and uh, Leonard <laughs> yeah. was the uh, the dungeon master. I just, I thought it was, it was cool. Like that they, they brought that out. I, I really like that show. We, my wife and I watch it on rerun quite a bit. Um, I think it has, I, th- I think especially, yeah, to your point, uh, Ryan, it just like it, it showed a lot of different people are nerds. I mean, I'm a nerd, but you know, I wasn't always being stuffed in a trash can. That was, that was only yesterday, you know, last week. It doesn't always happen. Um, all right. Question two. Uh, uh, this one will be for Ryan. Now, uh, I didn't mention this. I, ne- I neglected to mention this at the beginning of the show. Ryan, you're going to school with a career goal of being a pediatric ICU nurse. That is correct. Yes. And I think that's fantastic. It's, it's extremely admirable. Um, you know, working, you, you, you also work in the front lines of the COVID-19 pandemic. And I want to say thank mm-hmm. you for everything yes. you've done and continue mm-hmm. to do. You, you are, sir, a true hero. Um, now, when you become that pediatric ICU nurse, what part of your job are you least looking forward to and why? I would say I am probably least looking forward to the aspect of, and I might get a little serious or, or deep here, but the aspect of, especially because you're with children, right? It's it, These are human beings that haven't been able to experience life and chances are if they're in the ICU stuff happened one way or another that brought them here into intensive care. And it's, it could be insanely tough for those children to deal with that. And perhaps they have something now that has impacted their life greatly. And I think the toughest thing is going to be to help that child understand that while something may have happened today to you, there's no need for you to think that this is how it's always going to be because it may get better. It may improve. And being able to help children to understand that stuff could get better. It's not always just like this is I think one of the toughest things that you'll have to adapt as a nurse. Second thing would probably be dealing with parents because you hear that all the time of a parent freaking out about their child, rightfully so, but, um, or even like wanting to just say the nurses and doctors aren't doing their jobs when in reality we are, it's just, the world and things work certain ways that's outside of everybody's control understood well again thank you for everything uh that you do um now tyler i want to leave you out for question three and admittedly this is it's probably a little bit unfair but this is a little bit more lighthearted. so uh, ryan i'll give you a chance but after tyler because we wanted to give tyler first chance this two-part question here for tyler first you could choose any superpower to possess what would it be and why? This is this is the question. Um, I, this is the question that plagues my daily existence. Um, oh, no. <laughs> if I had a superpower, um, I would have to pick um, fire manipulation. Yeah. Okay. Yep. And that's because, um, you know, I want to be I want to be everybody's warmth. You know, if, if you need some place warm protective i'm there i got you now have you dropped that line on anyone yet was that have you used that in a pickup line or any kind of thing like that that sounds like hard right there (laughs) maybe maybe (laughs) might have to uh ryan will give you a chance at that one superpower hit me I've kind of liked the idea of like shape shifting or like Beast Boy kind of powers from Teen Titans, but I guess into 
anything I'd want as opposed to just animals, right? So if it's changing it to certain people or being able to do certain things. And by doing that, it could help make people's lives a little enjoyable. Um, whether if it's, to jump back quick, like somebody's sick in the hospital and then you come in as like an actual clown. They don't know it's you, but you've become like a clown or you've become like a dog to help make people feel better, you know, like different things, being able to use that power for good, you know, to help improve people's lives. If it, even if it's just like seeing somebody that they haven't seen in a long time can help do wonders for the, for the person. I like it. Nice answer. Actually, nice answer for both of you guys. Question four, and this is for both of you. All right. Now we have a, one of those classic who would win in a fight. All right. But this is going to be a little bit of a twist on this one. We have Cyclops, right? We all know Cyclops from X-Men. Mm-hmm. Or we have Skunk Man, a recently made up superhero whose only power is to excrete toxic green gas out of his butt, causing temporary and in some cases permanent blindness, nausea, vomiting, and hallucinations. Who do you got? Who do you got? Skunk Man or Cyclops? Tyler, we can start with you. Start with me? Hmm. Well, uh, I'll go. All right. All right. I got it. I'll go with Cyclops because while Skunk Man can blind and that is very effective cyclops does have eye covering over his eyes so that might not be as effective on him as it would on other other opponents so i'll have to give it to cyclops okay brian so from my understanding skunk man can just shoot shoot this gas whereas Mm -hmm. cyclops shoots basically lasers um i do feel like cyclops could deal a lot more Damage to Skunk Man before Skunk Man could have an effect on Cyclops. This is a this is a wide reaching gas, right? Like you can just envelop a whole city block or something like that. And again, uh, I'm making this backstory. Oh, of course. Go, but <laughs> this is Skunk Man. Start the comic. Buy the T-shirt. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I, I I'm with you. Probably Cyclops. I'd give him the nod on that one too. Okay, final question. Unless the gas acts. Oh, I'm sorry. Say that again. I'm sorry. Uh, unless the gas can act as a smoke screen, then maybe. Oh, then maybe. See, that's what I should. Can the that. gas like block the laser beam? Like, is it that thick? Like that potent? That I was thinking more of like if you can't see Skunk Man, can you hit Skunk Man with your lasers? And meanwhile, he's smelling it right now that we now that we're talking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. So maybe maybe Skunk Man gets the nod on that one. Uh, all right, question five, and again, this is for both of you. Uh, Ryan, we can start with you. Fill, fill in the blank. Uh, my goal for 2021 is blank. Uh, my goal for 2021 would probably have to be, for the longest time, I we have a gym downstairs, and I've never used it, but I've always kind of been wanting to, and I recently got AirPods for Christmas, so I think I might start to try to use the gym because ultimately, if I was more in shape and felt better, I could, you know, be more physically fit and be able to do my job better. So I think it would probably be to start working out, even if it's just at home. Well, I have prioritized health more myself. Um, I think it's a great goal, and uh, this I'm looking down now. My I have a Fitbit Charge Four that I got for Christmas. And this is, uh, I'm not going to say it's like changed my life, but what it's done is kind of like been a constant daily reminder to do something active, right? And so that's kind of helped. But I think it's a, I think it's an awesome goal. I do know, again, from experience that it will just, it will help you feel better on a day-to-day basis, but also have a functional purpose in your, in your job as well. So I think that's awesome. Uh, Tyler, how about you? Yeah, my goal is... Um... While active, it is more social. I want to, I want to be engaged with my friends and family more. I feel like since I've been kind of on my own in my own uh, in my own world of life, I've kind of neglected my relationships. So I wanna I wanna get to know people a little more in my life. Very cool. All right. Well, uh, I give the last word on the show to all my guests. Of course, you guys are no different. So. Tyler, we'll, we'll start with you. Uh, you have the last word. Have at it, my friend. I will say to all you listeners, stay humble yet hungry. Powerful. Powerful. <laughs> I'd like it. Ryan? Um, I would say, and this is kind of sounds like a knockoff little movie thing, but um, 
kind of where it's like every good thing that you do it's going to cause another good thing to happen to somebody else usually or primarily whether even if it's the smallest thing so it'd probably be to go out and at least try to do one positive thing for somebody that you can, whether if it's at home calling grandma who you haven't spoken to in forever, or if it's out somewhere holding the door for somebody who's carrying a bunch of things, it could make somebody's entire day, you know, just knowing that somebody else is thinking about them, especially during these times. So. I like it guys. Well, again, thank you so much uh, for doing this and, and the, the power of Reddit for turning this around on short notice. Like I just mm-hmm. reached out to you guys and like, yeah, sounds great. And here we are doing it like what day or so later. And yeah, <laughs> it's awesome. I, I appreciate it. I, I, I really do. Um, for my guests, Ryan Nolan and Tyler Swint, I'm your host, Andrew Smith, and we'll see you next time on Let's Ask an Expert. Mm-hmm.